It's really nice to be a part of this album of tapes that will bear the title, Recovery is Forever. I feel a little inadequate talking about hope. I suppose it's because it's a rather evasive word, and yet it means everything to most all people. The cornerstone of faith, it is a kind of thread that holds together life itself. Everyone is surprised when someone asks them to keep track of how many times they use the word hope. Everyone is surprised to find out that it has two or three different little words that go off of it, like hopeless, like hopeful. So often we say, I hope it works. I hope it's true. I remember as a boy, Santa Claus. I hope he comes. I hope he brings me what I want. These are the things that started it out. I hope people like me. I don't know whether that's a total attribute of the alcoholic personality. The fear of being rejected and how we struggle to help people like us. Putting on masks and saying constantly, I hope it's all right. How often we do this. I remember starting to drink and finding out that it had tremendous properties, the alcohol. I could ask it to do anything it would. If I needed a few choice words, I would take a drink and I could almost immediately become a conservationalist and a conversationalist. I did a lot of things. And always the undercurrent was, I hope they like me. The courage when I needed it that I got from the bottle. I began to trust it almost implicitly. And perhaps faith and trust are synonymous. I don't know. But I had tremendous faith in the bottle. And one day, I got drunk when I didn't want to. One day, I did things I didn't want to do. One day, my behavior was so far below my ethics, I felt guilt and shame. And I began to very subtly become helpless, powerless, if you will. And yet, I knew no other way to cope with life. The very thing that I used to cope with it suddenly was not trustworthy. Oh, I could go back as a boy and say, I, I believed in God and memorized Many, many words that came from the Bible, Dr. Martin Luther's small catechism, and said I had faith, said I believed, said I hoped I wouldn't be punished. 
I hoped I would get to heaven. Dreams, perhaps, but hopes that I had. And then finding the bottle that was a far greater, higher power than my association with God was. And to place all of my hope into something finite that I could feel and taste. I could see it in the bottle. I could go through the different emotions I would go through when I drank from being rather grandiose to being aggressive to finally being very drunk and helpless. All of these things were a part of my particular helplessness and I think in a sense my hopelessness. As long as there have been people, I suppose there have been words that came out that, and expressions that some people used. Back in 1930, uh, a man named Ruby penned a little song called Three Little Words. That was the time when we had a tremendous amount of depression, confusion, helplessness and hopelessness in the world. I took the privilege of writing down the words to that song. It goes like this. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. That's all I'd live for the rest of my days. And what I feel in my heart, they tell me sincerely. No other words can tell it half so clearly. Three little words, eight little letters, which simply mean, I love you. It's a remarkable thing that at times when people are down and we get into a place where we are utterly and completely gone, we say, God help me, and feel so terribly alone. And usually it's because we haven't really been doing anything. We've been wandering about in some sort of fashion, praying, God help me, and then not doing anything. Many of you have seen the film, Oh God, and they've heard God say in the film, what do you want me to do? I gave you everything you need. You want me to do it for you too? A challenge. Tremendous things, challenges. When you start to consider being abstinent and sober and changing your life, all sorts of things come into your mind. A man named James Dillett Freeman, who is with the Unity Church of Christianity, the silent praying department, who writes a book called What God is Like. In the book is a little poem 
dealing with change. He writes, I have resisted change with all my will, cried out to life, pass by and leave me still. But I have found as I have trudged time's track, I cannot hold the merest moment back. All finite things must go their finite way. I cannot bid the merest moment stay. So finding I have no power to change change, I have changed myself. And this is strange, for I have found as I have let change come, the very change I have been fleeing from had often held the good I had prayed for, and I was not the less for change, but more. We don't really see that when we start. We're afraid to change. All of the faith that we had in the bottle or in the drug of our choice suddenly shattered. And we're helpless. And somebody says, here is the step. And it says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. What a statement, and how difficult that is for us to understand. And as we look at it, so many thoughts go through our mind. We find ourselves saying, I hope that's true. I really do. I if it isn't true, then I'm totally crazy. I'm insane. And then we read the second step, and it says, We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Amazing, isn't it, that it follows so closely behind. We leave something out there that made us helpless. We destroyed our faith that shattered our hopes and left us in that state of nothingness. And then it comes along and, and says, come to believe. And we hurriedly reach back, many of us, and say, yes, I believe in God. And then the other three little words come floating in. Faith, hope, and love. There was a man named Saul. He was a very wealthy young Jew. He was kind of the Gestapo for the Roman army. He would go around and put the finger on the Christians. One day he was going to a town called Damascus, and he fell on the ground in some sort of seizure. Have you ever had hallucinations or DTs? You hear voices then, 
and you see strange things. And I don't know whether St. Paul or Saul had this kind of an experience or not. I, I only know it's possible. He might have been a very good two-fisted drunk, for all I know. I know that two men picked him up off of the road and took him into Damascus, in a sense that was kind of the first step call. But after Saul got well from his experience, he began to hear words that this man Jesus had uttered to his followers the words that this man had given the followers so that they did believe and were called Christians. And one day he sat down and wrote a letter to his congregation at Corinth, and I would like to share that with you. It goes in part like this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And Saul was was showing himself because this was the type of person that he had been. He said, No, I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. He was a very wise young man. He had training that most of the young people of his day never had. That was reserved for older people. He was very wealthy, and he wrote here, I, Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profiteth me nothing. And here again he was talking about himself. And the emptiness that he felt, the hopelessness that was there, without love. First, he came to believe. Then... The hope held it together while he was discovering what love really meant. And then he goes on to say this, For love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not, love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. It's an amazing thing that he would write that and never have any mention at all about sex or the things that we think of as a part of love. And perhaps they are a part of love. Maybe they are the result of these other little attributes that Saul wrote about. We call him St. Paul today. Perhaps one of the most moving forces in in putting this whole Christian aspect together. He says, finally, he said, Love never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. No doubt, St. Paul saw that all of the things that he thought were so important suddenly were not really important at all. What was important were the nine little attributes that he found love to be. Patience, and kindness, generosity, humility, courtesy, unselfishness, good temper, guilelessness, sincerity. Isn't it amazing that 
These nine little words would hold in themselves the key to a beautiful life. To a life that had purpose and that had a foreverness to it. And it takes time for us to begin to realize this and we need to measure ourselves in a sense by it. Saul continues to write, he says, For now we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now he goes on. This is rather a revealing statement. Most of us who are chemically dependent have sometime or other been admonished. Why don't you quit acting like a little child and grow up? And Saul writes here, But when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then he writes, and this certainly is in part the fourth and fifth step, that also is a part of our hope and a part of our faith and a part of our feeling of finally becoming whole and, and, and being a real person. He said, for now we see through the glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And he finally said, Now abideth faith, hope, love. These three, the greatest of these is love. It's amazing that, that the greatest one could be love. The f- probably not the greatest, but one of the greatest parts. The word faith, but the chain that holds them together. The thread. Hope. Without hope, there would be nothing. A man named Wyrick wrote a book called I Am, a series of things that he felt were important. I would share this with you. I am hope. Where I die, there is only void. I am the pulse of every prayer, the cornerstone of faith persistence fanned by heaven's breath of life. Isn't that an amazing little bit of writing? To see that hope is everything and it's also nothing. Without it, nothing happens. With it, everything remains possible. But it needs faith as a motivating force, and it needs simple explanation of, of a daily conduct so that each one of us can practice day by day hope. And keep in mind that today is perhaps the most important day of my life, and we are taught that. In the same book is this little writing about today. I am today. I greeted you with the crimson of dawn. I met you with the challenge of hours yet to come. I am a friend as old as the years you know. I am today. Within one small sprinkling of time, I shall become yesterday. I shall have lived and looked 
and lingered yet a while with you, and then I shall be gone forever. Look at me well, for I am your time of promise. Do not use me lightly, for I affect your tomorrows. Remember me for what I am, opportunity for whatever you may choose. I am today, I have lived as long as man. A thousand times, a thousand times since God made night and day. I have seen the earth green with the grace of peace and also black with the curse of war. I have held the fragile promises of men until tomorrow and then watched them shattered with disrespect. I am today. I am no babe in the woods, no white-eyed child of time. I am your hope, for I give you the chance to remake your yesterdays. Perhaps we need to keep in mind that our, our entire life is on today. Surrounded by faith, held together by hope, and magnified by simple little acts of courtesy, kindness, patience, tolerance, sincerity, watching our temper, doing the little acts of love. When we accomplish this, something happens. We find ourselves becoming addicted to a new source, a new power, a new faith. Something infinite that perhaps was always there inside of us who said, I need to be loved and I need to be lovable and I need to be loving. I hope I'm that. I hope that each day I can be more. This is the secret behind the philosophy known as Alcoholics Anonymous. It doesn't matter the drug of choice. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the color or the creed. All that matters is, do you want to be whole? Have you decided that recovery is forever? Do you realize and do you want to be loved. Oscar Hammerstein, who is one of the great musicians, songwriters of our time, was in the theater watching Mary Martin rehearse one day, and he was not to ever again be seen in public. Died shortly after he was about ready to leave the theater and he took a piece of paper from his pocket wrote a few lines and handed it to his man and said please take this to Mary tell her that she will not sing it from the stage or recite it in some scene but I want her to have it it's rather Oh, it's a piece that many of you probably have heard. A bell is no bell till you ring it. 
A song is no song till you sing it. Love wasn't put in your heart just to stay. For love isn't love till you give it away. I hope that you hope that love is in your heart just to stay. I hope that you give it away. I hope that you follow up your faith with the acts of love so that hope will always be with you in quantities enough to share it with everybody you meet. I hope. Don't you?